another episode of music the lifeblood i am your very humble host dustin we've got an extra ultra mega special edition of music the lifeblood why because steve zing that's why steve is an absolute badass in what i call the danzig arena of bands for those of you that don't know steve he was the original drummer in the glenn danzig fronted post misfits project Sam Hain, playing on their classic releases Initium and Unholy Passion, as well as the Sam Hain box set exclusive Live 8586 album. Steve left Sam Hain in 1985, though he reconvened with them in 1999, seeing Steve doing double duty along with second Sam Hain drummer London May on bass for half the show and on drums for the other half. What can I say? This guy is versatile. After that, he eventually wound up as the full-time bassist for Danzig starting in 2006. But prior to joining Danzig, Steve was a founding member of Son of Sam, releasing Songs from the Earth in 2001 and Into the Night in 2008. And that's what I'm talking to him about in this episode. But before we jump into that, I just want to remind everyone that Music the Lifeblood is available on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and... We're also available on YouTube, where I host Vinyl Thursday. That's where you can find out about all the vinyl I've picked up. We do interviews, we do album reviews, all kinds of good stuff. Also available on YouTube is Music the Lifeblood's Conversations from the Pit, where I co-host with Music the Lifeblood's own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter, where we talk about all things punk rock, hardcore, and metal. Now that that's out of the way, let's check out my conversation with Steve Zing. On the phone, we're joined by Steve Zing. Steve, how are you? I am great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Steve. So, son of Sam, uh, you're you're one of the you're one of the the big brains behind this operation. Uh, so, 1999, uh, Glenn calls you and says, "Hey, I want to do a Sam Hain reunion." So you, mm-hmm. so you, London. And Glenn are all together in that, and then we pick up Todd, uh, Todd Youth, who was playing in Glenn's band at the time, and you guys, you're going out and doing this Sam Haynes stuff. From there, correct? how does Son of Sam come out of that? Well, uh, AFI had, uh, did half the, the tour as an, as an opener, hmm. and Hatebreed did the other half. So, uh, you know, Davey and, and, and the guys would be watching, you know, the show all the time. And we got to know them and hang out. And they were cool guys. And Davey's a huge fan of, of uh, you know, all Gwen uh, things related. So it was actually, I believe, London's idea to, to do actually a 45 Okay. And uh, okay. we spoke about it, and that's what we were going to do. And uh, Davey had, Davey, uh, AFI was on the Nitro Records label, which was owned by uh, um, the uh, lead singer 
um, Brian Holland, Dexter Holland from The Offspring. Right. And he mentioned it to him, and he said, why don't you guys just do an album and I'll sign you guys? So that's basically, it was that easy, that simple. And then, um, you know, Todd Youth started sending some tapes back and forth. This is kind of pre-MP3 uh, era of being able to send things back and forth and would send cassettes. And um, it was a very, very simple process. I flew out. We recorded it like on a, I want to say, a Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Davey flew out to record his vocals. We had no idea what he was going to even sing because he was just going by the tapes. And that was it. it. And it came out great. That first album, Songs from the Earth, I, I remember picking that up because it was like having a a bit more of a, a less baritone and, and modern version of Sam Hain. Well, it was a very rootsy uh, record as far as like that whole like uh, punk thing. And, 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 you know, Todd was the main writer and... And, you know, Todd is a very New York-influenced punk rock and roll uh, writing capability, and that's that's really what came across. And, you know, Todd's a great guitar player. Um, again, you know, Davey uh, is, it was, again, we had no idea what he was going to sing, and he just came down and nailed it. Put me in the the tracking room or the mixing room, and you guys are listening to uh, Davey track and whatever he's doing out out in the in the main room. I think you guys did that at uh, Grandmaster Recorders in Los Angeles, right? Yes. All right. So you're you're in the control room. You're looking out into the studio. Davey's Davey's you know doing takes. What's the what's the vibe in the room? You know, it, it's it's not like it was anything that was can't say like surreal but what we what we realized was that it was like whoa this guy's just nailing it mm-hmm. you know he's he's uh he just he he got it you know he knew exactly what needed to be done you know so i mean i think he um he he, he just felt the vibe Hmm. Did you guys? You know, did, did you guys? Was there was there any kind of reservation between you, London, and Todd regarding you know moving from Sam Hain? Glenn's got that deep sort of Johnny Cash, Jim Morrison baritone voice. Was there any kind of trepidation, or were you a little leery about the actual timbre of Davy's voice compared no, to Glenn's? No, not not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Because we we knew from the beginning what it, what he you know. Uh, uh, you know his, what his vocal range was, I and mean, obviously it's not dark; it's, it's on the higher end side. Mm. Um, you know he uh, he basically, uh, you know, he did what Davy does best. You know, he's got that high pitch thing. And look, there are people that either like Davy or they don't. You know, so um, but. He did exactly what we wanted him to do, and that was just be Davy. And I thought it came out great. Right. And 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 we, we got to also understand 
the guy who mixed it for us, um, this guy Nick uh, Waskalix. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, you, you know Nick that that he was just he was really kind of he he wasn't really known at that point. Um, he was an independent engineer, and we had to mix the record. Um, he wound up, you know, uh, engineering the Foo Fighter stuff, and then he, you know, producing Stone Sour and the Deftones mm-hmm. and uh, Alice in Chains, Rush, you know, all these bands, and we got him like pretty cheap. But the guy was pretty amazing, really, you know, and he had a lot to do with, you know, getting the sound on that album. I think that one of the things that jumps out is me uh, to me as a fan is how well Todd's guitars cut through everything. Well, again, Todd is a great player. He is your, you know, he is, you know, you, you put a Les Paul or an SG, you know, in his hand and he plugs through a Marshall and boom, you know, Todd can make it sound, you know, like a million dollars because he's just that kind of guy. Mm. You know, uh, he's he's a natural when it comes to real rock and roll in your face playing. That's what Todd's best best at. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, if you listen to the stuff he's doing with Blood Clot right now, it's uh, right. I mean, boom, right there it is. Um, just as a as a as a little side, Steve, um, I think the the collector community would would damn me if I didn't ask about it. The cassette tapes that were flying back and forth between you guys and Davey, uh, where are they at? Where where have they went? Uh, uh, where are that's that's a good question. They're somewhere. <laughs> I have them. Somewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. So they could buy. So that would you say they would add someday? Would they be up for grabs? Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, working in a, a Grandmaster Recorders uh, there in L.A. Obviously, the studio is not there anymore. Um, I think it's some sort of food. I think it's some sort of you know urban sprawl sort of thing. Uh, but Stevie Wonder notably had recorded there. Lots of really, really great artists in and out. As far as the the vibe of the actual studio, the sonics of Songs from the Earth, do you feel like that studio specifically, the vibe in the tracking room, you know, just the, the history in there, did it help or did it enhance the process of cutting the album for you guys? Well, the, the, the studio is an old studio, and and it had an old analog board, an old analog knee board, and uh, the control room was this cool thing with all this velvet stuff around, and it definitely contributed to to the vibe. And the engineer, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, Andrew Aleko. Andrew, yeah, Andrew Aleko. That's terrible of me not to remember that. But Andrew Aleko <laughs> is great. That guy had a real good sense of capturing sounds. Sure. Um, he had a lot to do with it. Um, guitar player himself. So capturing sounds was one of his things. And both him and, and Todd would bring in all these cool, like, boutique um, uh, guitar pedals and stuff like that. Mm. And 
so they you know that all that all you know contributes to the making uh, of something as far as the coloring of uh, of uh, of a record you know sure sure i mean there's a lot that goes on behind making making something like that right right as far as far as composition goes Todd's the the primary songwriter. How much input did you in London have into stuff? Was there a rehearsal process? We had we kind of had I think we had two rehearsals with me him and in and, and me London and Todd. I think we had two rehearsals where mm. we kind of would go oh, let's try or let's do this. So okay, that's how that worked out. But for the for the, you know the basic stuff, Todd had everything pretty much down. He's a, he's a great songwriter. He's just you know. Um, he's one of these guys that just, you know, he knows what the fuck he's doing for sure. Yeah, he knocks it out of the park on a consistent basis. Yeah. Was, yep. uh, so we're doing this in, I'm guessing we're recording this probably late 2000, early 2001. Does that sound right? I think we did it in the winter of 2000. Okay. All right. So you come back into Danzig. I want to talk, I do I want to say like October. Okay. All right. Got it. So down the road, you come into Danzig, uh, but it's long, but you know, long after you guys are working on this album. Do you feel like that at that time, you sort of coming back into the fold for uh, the Sam Haynes stuff, doing the Son of Sam records? Was that sort of, was that a bit of the impetus for you to be able to actually come on to Danzig? No, not at all. <laughs> actually, you know, it's like really was just getting back into Danzig, that was just a phone call that um, I had gotten from Glenn, you know, going, um, hey, um, just fired my my bass player. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shit, sorry, you know, I don't know anybody. He goes, what about you? I'm like, me? He goes, yeah, you could do it. You did it in, you know, 99. I'm like... Okay, I guess I could do it that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and there, Just a few more songs to learn, that's all. Yeah, and there there you are now. So I is uh I'm as well I I I'm Danzig's longest tenured bass player. Oh, no shit, you are, aren't you? Yeah, I've oh. been in the band for uh uh what is it now? 11 years. Wow. That's yeah. a, that's awesome. I've never even thought of that. That's awesome. So was it was yeah. was was working on this stuff? Uh, was that a, was it a confidence boost for you in that regard? Because I'm I mean I'm sure you've been able to. I mean you did solo stuff all the way back into the mid '80s. Um, you know was it was it a confidence booster for you doing the Son of Sam project? You know, uh, it, that's, that's 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 hard to say because. You know, I I didn't go. Uh, you know, I don't go into anything uh, with going. Well, this will, you know, this will boost my confidence if I do this. You know, we just got together. We were making what we wanted to do was just make a good punk rock record, right? A good sounding punk rock record, mm. which I thought we achieved. You know, um, and it was a matter of just, you know. The last thing that you want to do in a studio is have to do, you know, takes, retakes over and over and over. Right. Fortunately, you know, I'll actually never forget, London and I left the studio. Todd was 
still doing some overdubs, and I remember I was staying at London's house, and Todd came by with Joey, Joey C. and Howie, mm. and he said, hey, guys, he said, we were just listening back to the tracks. You guys, both of you, did an amazing job. You know, he said, so I was pretty happy about that. That's awesome. Because to be honest, I never thought I would pick up a bass again after the <laughs> the '99 tour. Right. So I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know. Well, I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of curious I'm kind of curious about that. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, London, as far as the bass player goes, he's no slouch. You know, he can. I mean, no. he, he can put his hands on it, and make the thing go. Uh, so you guys on that tour, um, and since then you kind of swap back and forth, half the set, half the set, drums and bass. Why did you guys wind up in the positions you did for the Son of Sam record? Why wasn't it the other way around? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that's just a good question. I don't. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, and, I, and I actually think it was discussed. And I just said, "No, nah, you play drums. I'll play bass. I don't care." Okay. All right. All right. So no, no you big, know. no big thing, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's I. 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 I, I've always wondered: is it was it a big conversation? You know, were you guys deliberating and discussing and stuff like that? Yeah. No, it wasn't. There was. There was really. There was really nothing. You know. Nothing to discuss. Uh, it was just uh, like, what do you want to do? Uh, I'll I'll do bass. I don't care. And, and that's what it was. It was it was really nothing as far as like, hey, you want to do this? I actually, there is a song that never came out. It's an instrumental song mm. um, that um, uh, that I play drums on. Okay. Okay. So, do we have a title? Uh, no. No. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, maybe Todd titled it, but it's it was it was me and Todd. Okay. And it was I, it actually, I have the song somewhere, but it didn't come out. And, and basically, um, Todd's like. Play a uh, like a John Bonham beat, like one of those boom, da, boom, boom, you know. And we played it, and then it was just me. I just played a beat, and then they went in and they slowed the track down because mm. we recorded everything to tape. This is really kind of pre um, Pro Tools and all that stuff, digital recording. Sure, and it came out really cool. Really cool. So why didn't it make the uh, cut? Um, I don't know. I think it was a uh, just one of those things. There was too many songs, and Todd just you know was doing something, but you know to, to do it and wound up coming out really cool. Okay. All right. All right. I think uh, Todd, Todd's one of those. He's one of those guys where he's uh, he's kind of like a jack of all trades kind of guy. He's got uh, he's got a lot of knowledge as far as using the studio as almost like a fifth member of the band, sort of. Oh yeah, well, I mean, look, Todd is Todd's. You know, he's definitely there's no shortage of him doing things. He's a very busy guy. Mm. He's involved with all kinds of bands and stuff. Always has been. Yeah. You know, so he's pretty well versed. 
So there's there's guest appearances all over that thing. A lot of a lot of backup vocals. Nick Thirteen from Tiger Army. I'm guessing the Davy Connection in London playing with Tiger. Oh yeah, because they, they they grew up together. So yeah, yeah. So how did does Glenn shows up one day to the studio and we he picks up a guitar and he's playing uh, playing some stuff on the song Stray. How did that come about? Basically, Todd asked him. And I think it was more to, you know, I think Todd would, just wanted to keep him in the loop, being that, you know, Todd was playing in Danzig, and he didn't want Glenn to, I guess, feel left out. And it was nice to have, you know, Glenn involved. Okay. He played some keyboard parts and stuff. But, um, yeah, it was definitely nice to have him in there. So what what's what's it like having Glenn come in as a I guess as a guest appearance and it's not his thing? What it's is is it a is it a different does he approach the work differently? How does he do it? No, you know, he listened to it and then, you know, just you know, Glenn's another one of those guys where he, you know, he listens to something, he put an instrument in his hand and he'll just kind of figure out around it and just start playing and building on something. You know, he, he can, you know, Glenn's really good at hearing different things, you know, to layer. Okay. Yeah. He's good with melodies and stuff, as everybody knows, which is why everybody, you know, loves Glenn because he's great at what Glenn does. So tell me about Satiate. Joey Joey Castillo's playing drums on it. You guys had Howie Pyro from Danzig at that time playing bass on it as well. How did right. how did that come about? Same sort of situation? Uh, same situation. Again, you know, Todd was in a band with those guys, and I don't think mm-hmm. he wanted to leave them out, and I think they kind of maybe felt left out. So he's like, hey, would you mind if they played a song? I'm like, I don't care. Anything stand out about anything stand out about that song to you? Well, it, you know, it's it's that's like um, that was like a real rocking. Uh, it almost remind me of some of the stuff they were doing in Danzig mm. at that given time, right? You know, kiss the skull and stuff like that, in, in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they're great musicians. Yeah, I think as far as the Danzig catalog goes, E. Luciferi 7 is, that's hands down my favorite Danzig studio album. It's Yeah, great album. Yeah, I fucking love it. I got to see him on that tour, too. It was an awesome show. Yeah. We didn't get a tour out of it. Well, no. Uh, What happened? uh, You know, at that point, I think AFI, the guys in AFI were... They were pretty much against that. Mm, okay. They weren't too happy with with the fact that Davy was doing something else, and they were just, I think, in the back of their in the back of their mind, they knew at that time they were getting bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and it was just a, right before they signed their major label deal. DreamWorks, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. you know, they were like, look, you know, either you're going to do this or you're going to do this, but we need your focus. So Davey had to step back, and we were supposed to shoot a video. We never did that. You know, we had planned to do 
you know, a few shows, but didn't happen. Did you guys? Well, we made money on it, that's for sure. I mean, it came out, and I just remember calling, you know, 9-11 happened. Sure. And I remember um, a few months later, it was right, it was some late November, early December, and I had called a label to just ask them how it's going and had it recouped. And the guy told me what, he goes, yeah, you guys have a, a check for X amount coming out. I go, oh, is that for the band? He goes, no, that's each. And I'm like, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing great. And uh, so that's basically, you know, it was, it was, it recouped fast and, you know, we still make money off of it. Obviously not what we used to because nobody buys records anywhere, CDs anymore. Right. But there was all different colored vinyl and stuff like that. I just, just as a side note, I I finally found a sealed copy, uh, the white copy of the album earlier today, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I have, um, I have uh, test pressings. I have all the colors somewhere. Hmm. Was it? I I I feel. I seem to think I had somebody tell me that you had some. There was some sort of misprint with the labels or double labels on on two sides. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I I mean. Yeah, I have that somewhere. Stuff like that. I love little printing errors and and oh, yeah. you know weird jacket anomalies and stuff like that. Well, as far as the video goes, did you got had you guys picked out a song you were wanting to do? I think we were going to do, if I remember, we were going to do Michael. Mm, okay. It was on the Punkzilla comp, the Nitro comp that came out around that time. Right. I forgot about that, but yes. Yeah. There's, I, I wanted to specifically ask you about that song. Um, there's a neat sort of a hypnotic bass riff uh, throughout that song. Is, is that you? Or uh, did, were you the one that came up with that? Or is that a Todd thing? Uh, I'm trying to remember, to be honest with you. The one that goes, boom, 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 boom. Yep. Um, I think originally it was a guitar riff, and Todd's like, maybe we should play that on the bass. Okay. That's how I remember right. it. I remember the first time I had, the, the very first listen to that album, I had, you know, I have this old 1970s uh, stereo receiver and, and cabinets that I had uh, inherited from my dad. And uh, I had that thing cranked. And I remember the first time that little intro came, you know, kind of pouring out of the speakers. I remember just being like, this is badass. Yeah, it was, you know, I think I did okay on that album. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm much more confident now as a, as a bass player. Sure. But, um, you know, um, I guess, I guess you can consider yourself a professional when you get paid to, paid to play. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't know. All right. All right. right. Uh, a a collector's question. Um, I've done, I've done a little bit of digging, um, and the nitro, the nitro stuff versus, uh, the second album out on horror high, the first album seems to be a bit more of a rich vein as far as uh, collectability goes. Uh, I know that we had a four-song CD sampler that came out in advance to it, like record store promo, that sort of thing. 
Was there any other specific promotional material that you knew of? Uh, for the first album? Yeah, yeah. No, just that promotional piece that that originally had to be the... Um, Um, the was it the Boris Karloff thing at the beginning? Yes, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. The only reason was that was just on the promo copies, the radio advances, and uh, we couldn't use that because the Karloff um, family wanted like I, I want to say it was like twenty thousand dollars for that little snippet. Was it Karloff or Bella Lugosi? Oh, I'm sorry, Bell Lugosi. Was it Bell Lugosi? Okay, all right. Yeah. I think it's the uh, the van the Dracula quote, right? Children of yeah, the Night. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, so they they wanted all that money, or like for you know five seconds, six seconds, not worth it. Wow. So how did how did it get on to? Because I hear MP3s of it now with that tacked on at the beginning of it. How did it get on to the sampler? Well, we had it on the sampler, and then I think the sampler was done before the before it was pressed. Okay. Before the album was pressed, so it was, you know it was just on the CD uh, advance copies. Sliding under trademark and copyright. <laughs> well, you know, you could do like something like that if you don't charge for it. If it's free, you know, once oh, you start point. charging, okay. okay, you know, then it's a whole different story. Yeah, good point. Okay, all right, gotcha. The first album, the sort of cycle of promotion behind that album, it kind of fades. You know, Davey goes on to uh, working on AFI. He's got a lot of stuff. Uh, Todd comes and goes from Danzig, um, London, you know, off doing his own thing in Los Angeles. And then you, you know, you come back into the Danzig fold. How does this second album, Into the Night, how leading up to it, what was, uh, what was the thing that spurred you guys in deciding to do it? Well... Todd's like, do you want to do another album? I'm like, sure. Why not? So we approached Davey and London. London was into it. And um, Davey said, I can't do it. I don't have the time. And I believe uh, contractually he couldn't do it. Okay. So Todd said, well, I have this friend that he's, he's a good singer and I think he'll do good. And London wasn't happy about that. He said, you know what? I don't think we should do it. If Davey's not involved, then I don't want to do it. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I wound up, Todd's like, well, all right. Well, well, I have a friend who's a drummer. I'm like, okay. And I kind of put a rift between London and I, and I understand now. Now, I will say this. I do like that album. Great songs on there. That album is incredible. And, you know, it's a different album than the first album. It's it's totally different vibe, different singing. And I, and I, and I like his style of singing. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Davey by any means. In hindsight, I should have never did the album. Should have never agreed to it. Um, the deal was bad. It on um, this horror high thing got robbed. Um, 
It should have never happened. Rob, robbed how, Steve? Uh, financially, you know. Got all these promises, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it didn't happen. And I really should have went with my gut rather than going, oh, yeah, it's going to be great to do another record. Um, and one that was right. Should have never did it. And that was that. And unfortunately, it, you know, everything that they said they were going to do, nothing ever got done. And, you know, nobody really knew about that album. Okay. So where where was the disconnect? Where What do you think happened um, as far as uh, pushing the album from a label standpoint? Where where did the ball get dropped? Uh, it's the music industry, man. <laughs> it, it got dropped all over the place. Okay, all right. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, you know, uh, false promises. Uh, just what what it is. Okay. All right. Gotcha. But I it, w- didn't, it didn't have the same cachet. I mean, like I said, I I'm I'm proud of it. I'm not gonna say I'm not proud of it because I thought I did think it was a good album. It just wasn't a good idea to do it without London and Davy. Okay. All right. And again, I thought the guy we had sing did a great job. I thought his you know his vocal uh, melodies were great. Again, it should have been done by the original four guys that did the first one. Okay, all right. See, I I like the album. Uh, Steve, I listen to it on a regular basis, uh, uh, week to week. I listen to the thing quite a bit. I like the album a lot. I like uh, Scott. The singer is Sky, Sky Von Jane. Um, He plays in the Chelsea Smiles with Todd as well, and... uh, I, I like Sky's vocals. I like, and it might be just because it's the sort of uh, Danzig reflex because Sky has that sort of baritone to his voice. Right. And I'm not going to lie. I miss London's drumming. Um, but I think Carl, I think Carl did a really good job. Carl did a great job. Yeah. Was it, was it as, it was it as or- organic as the first album? Did it happen as easily or was there a little more effort involved? No, I think there was less effort. I mean, we didn't record it as a band. Carl and Todd recorded on the West Coast. I did my parts on the East Coast and just um, sent back wave files. It was done totally different. Okay, all right. Do you think, is that is that part of the reason you you feel a little less strong about it? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't this this cohesive thing like the first one. Okay. Again, not saying that it didn't come out, but it came out great. But it just, you know, um, was just not the same. Okay. All right. So as far as Danzig history goes, where was that in your Danzig history? You had came back, you had been in the band for a little while at that point, right? Yeah, I was in the band for like two years, I think. Okay. And you, Todd, and Carl ended up doing some shows with Glenn uh, as Danzig, right? 2007, that's kind of how it started, is when we were on tour together. But it, it was um, but it was before Carl, you know, we we had decided to use Carl on, on the set. It was after kind of London, you know, said he didn't want to do it. Okay, 
All right. Well, it was during that tour of 2007 that we were talking about it. Okay. I think that's kind of a, as far as that lineup of Danzig goes, it's a little bit, um, it's an interesting lineup. It's one of those things where I would have kind of liked to have seen an album out of that lineup. Is there, do you think it could have happened or was there a reason it didn't? You know, um, I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, I don't think Glenn had a vibe for it. Okay. All right. All right. So, Glenn's very comfortable in, in the current situation. Yeah, I've heard him. I, I've heard him talk about it in some interviews for it. And I remember, I think the last time you and I talked, we had talked about that a little bit. That uh, this lineup feels good to Glenn. Well, there's no. There's no drama, you know. We just go and play. Sure. There's no, there's no egos. Nobody has time for that. Right. Okay. Gotcha. The uh, as as kind of wrapping up on the into the night stuff. Um, I just want to make sure, just for a collector's sake, because uh, we get a lot of them that listen to the show. There's I couldn't find a single thing uh, other than CD as far as into the night goes. Am I am I right? You are correct. Okay. Was there, it, did anybody at any point talk about going to press on 12-inch? No. No, nothing? Okay. That's what I was saying, you know. So I might have a chance, actually, to buy the Masters, which I'm thinking about. So if I do that, I might, you know, I, I might do that and just kind of put out a, a you know, put something out we'll see i'd be cool i'd be yeah i'd be all over that it'd be amazing yeah okay so no tour on on the into the night cycle either obviously no no okay do you think it did it have a chance at all or was it kind of dead in the water uh we talked about it we came close but i think you know for the most part, uh, I was involved with Danzig. Todd was out of Danzig. Mm. Um, he was doing Chelsea Smiles and whatnot, and Glenn Campbell and all this stuff, and it just fell apart. Okay, all right, got it. Yeah, it just okay. fell apart. Okay, cool. And again, the, the I think it was the whole feeling of not the original guys. It was it was just kind of weird. You know? Okay. All right. So what what do you what do you think um as far as when you stand when you stand the first album versus the second album? I mean, obviously you feel strongly about how you guys did it. You feel like the vibe was there, that sort of thing. Uh was it literally just come down to the the sort of magic of the players uh maybe as opposed to the songwriting? What's what's the primary difference, you think? Well, the, on the second album, you know, it was you know, you have a different singer with different melodies and a different vocal range, and and Carl's a different drummer than London, um, so it's a whole different feel. You know, the first one was, I think it it worked better because we gelled better. We we all, you know, especially London and I came from that same background. Sure. You know, and the other guys didn't, so. That's where the difference is. What about London's drumming? What, what is it about it that grabs you? 
you know, it's pretty amazing. London, London's always in the pocket. And, and let me tell you something. Carl is, is not a slouch by any means. Sure, sure. Not by any means. Carl's amazing. Uh, but London has that that thing that that belongs, uh, you, you know, on uh, Sam Hain and the Son of Sam. That's 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 his style. You know, that's his thing. He fills that pocket. I like November Coming Fire. I still think my I tend to err in favor of Initium when it comes to the Sam Hain stuff. Um, Great album. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't want this to sound like I'm pandering, <laughs> but a lot of it has to do with what you're playing on Initium. Um, I think um, the the stuff that you're doing on the toms, some you know some interesting timekeeping, you know alternate time signatures and stuff like that. I think I what I'm kind of curious about how you and London relate in that way. Uh, so when you come back to do the Sam Hain reunion in 1999, initially when you guys walk into the room, is, is there any kind of weirdness because you guys didn't play in the band together in in the in the original run of the band? No, because we had decided I'll play drums on the stuff that I recorded, and he'll play drums on the stuff he recorded. Okay. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to play bass. That was my first time. <laughs> I, I didn't even play, I didn't even practice drums for that tour. I practiced bass because I was like, shit, I got to learn bass. I don't know anything about bass. Okay. Yeah, no, it was just, it kind of fell into place the way we, the way it was supposed to, I, I, I presume. Okay. The common thread, the common thread with the way you make it sounds is that things just kind of happen naturally. I think they did. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and same thing uh, when we did the reunion in 2014. Mm-hmm. Are we, the last time you and I had talked, I think it was, it's been a couple of years ago, I think, you had, you had at the time felt like, yeah, I think this is going to be it for Sam Hain. Do you still feel that way? Well, you never know. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, not that there's been no talks, nothing like that, but who knows? I mean... You know, nobody thought they'd see a Misfits reunion. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, I kind of, I kind of want to get your input on it because um, we haven't talked, um, we haven't talked since it happened. Uh, look, you know, it's um, it's good for the music industry. It's good to bring the roots back. Um, you know, I got to see them in Chicago. It was it was great? Mm. Um, you know. I'll most likely go see them, you know, in December. And, uh, you know, it's good to hear the songs. Do you think... Sung by the original artist who <laughs> sang and wrote them. Right, okay. <laughs> I can knock, knock on wood, right? Uh, right, rather than some guy, you know, dressed up in a skull face or whatever, and, you know, and he plays to 20 people now. Um, whatever <laughs> do you think but, uh being because you've been around i mean you've been around since uh, damn near day one when it comes to the misfits in in lodi mm-hmm. uh do, do you feel like are things functioning internally uh that could that could that could propel this from a long-term standpoint well you know what what's long term glenn doesn't want a tour 
I don't think you're going to see him tour. Um, I think you'll see bigger shows, but I don't think it's going to be a tour. Okay. All right. One-off sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if they can sell out 18,000 seats, well, then that just, then, you know, who knows what could happen. Sure. I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 hoping, fingers crossed, that we can get some cameras and we can actually get maybe something, uh, some official documentation out of it. Well, that was done in Chicago. Yeah, that's that's the rumor I heard too. Do you know? Do you, do you know anything about it? Well, I mean, you know, Glenn's got the footage, so okay, we'll see. Steve, thanks for coming back on, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, man. Really matter if we live or die What keeps us going is this fire inside And I know